0: At the Hilton Gateway, I'll never forget that. I had been looking for BDPA for several years because I had heard that there was this black organization that was for data processing people back in those days. Mm-hmm. And so I was looking for man. I went to the meeting, man, down at the down at the Holiday Inn, and I went down there, and they didn't know nothing about it, and. So I saw that year, and I can't remember what the year was, I saw that Black Data Processing Associates, BDPA, was having a conference Mm. at the Hilton Gateway in Newark. Mm. And so they didn't give information about people per se, but just the organization. And so I said, well, I'm always getting on my students about doing doing the research. So I called the Hilton Gateway, and I wanted to know who booked the conference. Of course, they wouldn't give me that information. So I told them why I wanted the information and gave them my information and asked them if they would have that person to give me a call.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And in less than an hour, I got a call from the head of the new york chapter and he told me oh yeah we have a dc chapter too shirley jenright was our chapter president at that time he said i'm gonna give you her contact information i'm sure that she would love to hear from you and i called shirley up and she invited me to the next meeting and once she got tired of being the president I became president of the chapter for a couple of years and when I went to that conference in Newark, I was just so happy. I was so happy. There were all these black computer people, they are the processing people. And I said to everybody I met, I said oh yeah man, I'm just so happy to be here, I'm really happy to be here. And I also said to myself. Next year, I'm going to have to do something at this conference. And I did. The following year, I gave a talk on artificial intelligence.
2: What, what year was that?
0: I don't remember. I don't remember the year of the, the, um, the Newark Conference. This was about the third or fourth conference in BDBA's history. Wow. And so on the way back home, we, my wife and I went up on a train because she went with me and from DC and uh, I was just I couldn't stop talking about that conference and how glad I was that I had gone right and so the following year the conference was in I think Cleveland because the 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 second chapter was DC that was started by Norman Mays Norman and Earl Pace were we knew each other, mm-hmm. and Norman was in the military, and I, 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 don't, I don't think Earl was. But Norman got out of the military, he went home to Cleveland. He started the Cleveland chapter. <laughs> so he started two chapters back in those days. Once we got to Cleveland, um, the, they, they tried to talk me into running for national president and I declined and the reason I declined was I told him I said you know you can get anybody to be president I said but what this organization needs and it was still relatively new but this organization needs is somebody working in the trenches to help build infrastructure and I said and that's where I want to be
1: mm-hmm.
0: so I was named the National education committee chair. Ah. And what that allowed me to do was to do education type things. Right. So what I started thinking about was there is no high school presence at this conference. Uh, there was one or two college students because they had a, a student chapter in Cleveland, and they had a student chapter in Philadelphia at Temple and then you have one or two students from those chapters that would be at the conference, college students, no high school presence.
2: Yeah. So so you started the original and and let me, because I want to introduce to our audience, we're talking with Dr. Jesse Bimley and so you're leading us up into how the, what we know today as HSCC, right. so so continue on.
0: And, and before HSCC, one of the things that I really wanted to do w- was to make our organization have some of these same kinds of things that the majority professional organizations had. Mm-hmm. Because at that time, I was also a member of ACM, mm-hmm. and I wanted to get the same types of things, feelings, and activities at our conference that I was getting at their conference Mm -hmm. and so what I did was I started talking about why not have a proceedings because during that during that time BDPA's conference was two days Friday and Saturday Friday and Saturday they would have a full workshop Oh full day of workshops on Friday. And then on Saturday, they would have those same workshops in reverse. Oh. And so i was I was going to all the board meetings, and so I said, well, what we're doing, those people who are staying at the conference both days we shortchanging, and we're only giving them one day of content. So well, why don't we have a proceedings where Each speaker presents a paper that they have written about what they're presenting. Mm -hmm. Well, (laughs) I was going back and forth to Philadelphia for a lot of nights, a lot of weekends, because. The leadership didn't know what a proceedings was.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And so I would take different proceedings from different conferences that I had gone to, that kind of thing, and we'd talk about it. And, you know, it wasn't something that uh, was done easily. Mm-hmm. I had to really convince them. And they finally said, okay, but when you bring an idea to BDPA, is yours.
1: <laughs> if they
0: if they if they if they want to do it, then they say okay. Then do that. Right. Then do you do it. Right. Because you're you're probably the only one that can do it at that point. Right. So. I then became the person, who controlled. Who spoke at the conference. Wow. <laughs> because they had to send me there. Whatever you're going to talk about, you got to put it in an article form so that I can put it in the proceedings. Now, rationale behind that was that we then had a written record of essentially your ideas, so forth and so on. Not verbatim, but the people who were there on Friday, if they left, they still knew what was going to be talked about on Saturday and vice versa. That was my rationale for doing that, and you know we traditionally don't have to write, <laughs> so I got big kickback on that well- well you know uh so and so and so is the head of their own company or v p of this major corporation, and so forth, and so on. they don't have time to do that. I was adamant I said. If they don't want to write a paper, then they don't want to make a presentation at my conference. And so I did have to give on a few of them, but most of the people acquiesced. Right. Because, I, I mean, I was, I'm was i a powerful force when, <laughs> when it comes to stuff like that.
2: Absolutely. Now, I'm, I'm going to ask you to back up. Um and uh, we were just talking about my co-host <laughs> partner in crime David Blackman and as we <laughs> as we're interviewing Dr. Jesse Bimley um and I want to back up a little bit cuz we jumped right into the conversation Tell us who is Jesse Bimley and you know we started out the story about you looking for other blacks and data processing. How did that, how did you find yourself in that uh, industry?
0: Well how did I find myself in, in, in that industry? I, that wasn't what my plans were at all.
2: <laughs> I hear that quite often.
0: <laughs> wasn't what my plans were at all. I went to college and I got a Bachelor's degree in mathematics, and I wanted to be a theoretical mathematician.
2: Mm. That's heavy stuff.
0: <laughs> well, that didn't work out. <laughs> that didn't work out. So what wound up happening was I got a after I got a job with um, graduated from college and I got a job teaching mathematics and I didn't want to do that because I wanted to be a theoretical mathematician but while I was working on my undergraduate degree my advisor would not sign off on my schedule each semester unless I had an education course. Mm. I hated him. And in those days, I was the best thing that the school had in math, you know, from my level down. There were some people who were better than I was, but they were, you know, above me in the number of years that they've been there. I'm talking about students. And so, I asked him why was he doing that to me. He says, I said, because I don't want to be a teacher, I want to be a theoretical mathematician he said well son I'm doing this because that may be all that's available to you Mm -hmm. and at least you'll be qualified to do that
1: Mm -hmm.
0: so I did that I graduated in three years number five out of a class of three hundred so why did I graduate in three years because at the beginning of the third year, I realized that I wasn't going to be able to come up with the money for the fourth year. Oh. So, and you can't do this now, but, you know, back in those days, school was small and went to Mississippi Valley State and it'll be in Mississippi. It was Mississippi Vocational College back in those days. Mm-hmm. I went to the dean because the dean had to sign off on um uh, schedule up at that level, my my advisor couldn't even sign off on that. So I went to him, I told him, I said, well, Dean, I said, you know, I'm not even supposed to be here in the first place, because poor as we are, lucky to be here this long. I said, but if I have to go to fourth year, I won't be able to come back. Mm -hmm. And if I don't come back, I probably won't get my degree and I would like to get my degree. He said, well, Bimley, what do you propose, boy? <laughs> I said, well, sir, what I'd like to do is to take all the classes that I have left this year. He looked at me and he said, are you crazy? And I said, no, sir. And the man saw how serious I was. Cause I was about to cry. He said, I tell you what, this was kind of easing it off of him, right? <laughs> He says, you go around and you talk to all these instructors and if you can convince them to go along with that, I'll sign off on it. I went to every last one of them. I told them, what I will do is I will be responsible for all my work and I will not be at your class every class meeting because I'll be alternating with another class. And I told them, same story I told the dean They all signed off on it. I took it back to him. He said, Boy, you actually you actually did this, didn't you? You actually got them to sign to do this? I said Yes, sir. He signed it. And the rest is history. And and I tell my young people now when they start talking about, well, you know, this is so much work and I'm tired and this you know. You're talking to the wrong person that's about right. work <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I know I know what work is Absolutely. and and uh, and back in those days a computer was the same a computer is a noun a runner that's a noun and a runner is one who runs mm-hmm. a computer in those days was one who computes mm-hmm. it wasn't a machine <laughs> <laughs> So after I finished I got a job down in Moss Point, Mississippi, and uh as a math teacher.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And I left I was, I was down there for a year and I went to St. Louis to work as a cartographer at the Air Force's Aeronautical Chart and Information Center. And Then I went to Army Map Service. Went to work for them as a mathematician. As a mathematician, now. Right. And so, what I was doing for them was actually Fortran programming. And I got there, and they they uh, signed me up for a Fortran class. This was took the class in January. Six months prior to that is when I started working, but that whole time I was teaching myself how to do Fortran. So when I got finally got to the class, I probably got more out of the class than most of the people that were in the class because having already been writing programs, as we went through the class material, I was able to get the questions that I had prior answered,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and so that's how I got into computing.
2: So let, let a me a mathematician
0: th- who, who who was turned into a Fortran programmer.
2: Exactly, wow. I I was going to ask you when you started dabbling in this thing called Fortran and computing. Did you ever imagine that it was going to lead to this whole industry and where we are today? Or did you did you kind of have that foresight? Or
0: of course not. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was a young buck uh, back in those days. Um, you know, now you get a new printer, you install the drivers right for that printer. Uh-huh. Back in those days, wasn't. You didn't buy printers. <laughs> I mean, they cost too much. Right. Um, there were mainframes, and uh, when you wrote a program, if you wanted to use uh, to read some cards in, you had to write the drivers to mm-hmm. to make that machine read your cards. You had to you had to write the program that formatted the report that you wanted to send to the printer. So all the drivers and all that kind of stuff We had to do that. You know, now, that's already done for you. So, when I left there, I went to the D.C. Board of Elections. And what I had to do there was system analysis and COBOL programming. So here I'm coming out of a scientific background, which I love because I was, you know, scientifically oriented. Mm-hmm. And the man who who hired me was a friend of, well he used to work at Army Map Service where we scientifics were working at that time, and the man, his good friend was still there after he was recruited to be the executive director of the D.C. Board of Elections. And so George and I had conversated for quite a while and he was telling me, he said, you know, I just don't recommend people, you know, because they never live up to your recommendation and that makes me look bad, he said. You know, I just accepted that because this is... I'm a young bug, he's a seasoned older guy, so forth and so on, but when his buddy went down to the Board of Elections, he needed a programmer and an analyst. So he asked George, he said, George, I need, I need, a, I need a computer guy, man, can't you recommend some?" He said, well, you know I don't recommend people. He said, man, but I gotta have, I gotta have a programmer, I trust your judgment. George said, "The only person that I would recommend is this guy right, this this young boy right here." Of course, I didn't know nothing about that, right? I didn't know about these conversations that were going on. And so George told me that the man wanted to hire me, and I was gonna get a promotion. Mm. I mean, that sounded real good. <laughs> <laughs> I, and so. The executive director asked George, Well can this man can this boy do what what I need him to do? Mm-hmm. He said, Oh no. He said, Well, why the hell are you recommending him then? He said, Because this boy don't know what you need him to know, but he will he will get your job done. Mm. He will get your job done. What he don't know, he will figure out and he'll get it done. Exactly. And so I didn't know that until much later. But I went down there and the Board of Relations had borrowed a programmer from one of the other district government organizations and they needed a COBOL person. That's business language, business orientation. Mm -hmm. I'm scientific (laughs) and I'm Honeywell and UNIVAC computers, Mm -hmm. Uh, they're all IBM. Man, you're talking about culture shock. Mm. Culture shock. I would get up at 5 o'clock in the morning, go down to to the data center trying to decipher that IBM documentation. It was so much more difficult to deal with than either of the other two companies that I had worked with. And I would stay down there till 1, 2 o'clock in the morning, go home, get a couple of hours sleep, come back. And so I told the guy who was there before me, I said, man, y'all got to help me because I don't know what I'm doing. So to give you some idea of the magnitude of what I was faced with, D.C. for the first time was going to vote for president. Mm-hmm. Or the second time, mm-hmm. vote for president. The D.C. election law says that the the jurisdictions in D.C. wards and precincts had to be compact and contiguous. That means they had to be had to have about the same number of people in them
1: mm-hmm.
0: each precinct. And then, then, when you group various precincts together into a ward, then each of those wards had to have approximately the same amount of people in them.
1: Wow.
0: So that meant that the those boundaries had to be redrawn uh, because you know it was time for the next presidential election. Mm-hmm. So I asked them to put me in two COBOL classes and normally you take them in sequence and so I was in both of them at the same time. <laughs> These classes were about three and a half to four weeks long. At the the middle of the second day of class I was called back to the office.
1: Yeah.
0: I haven't been to a COBOL class as a student since. So why why did they why did they pull me out? Because we were going around to these hearings and the the boundaries of those wars and precincts had to be redrawn. You need a cartographer for that. We didn't have a one of those on the Board of Elections. That was me. Wow. That was me. <laughs> 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 So, I told the guy, I said, man, y'all got to help me because I don't really know what I'm doing here. I can draw these maps and stuff. I'm good at that. But this, this new language is so unorthodox and so forth and so on. He said, I tell you, and today we're very best friends even today. That was back in the early 70s. He said to me, he says, Jesse, he says, I'm going to assign one of my people to you. He said, but you cannot let your people know that she's working with you Mm -hmm. because the data center wasn't where our offices were. Mm -hmm. So I said, man, whatever you say, (laughs) (coughs) that young lady was not a college graduate. She had gone to one of them little computer schools. She was nothing but the truth. That girl was so sharp and so smart. We sat down and she says, okay, um, this block right here has got to be moved to this ward and so forth and so on. And I didn't know the constructs of COBOL enough to make that happen. She says, we're going to do that this way, this way, this way, this way, this way.
1: We got it done.
0: We got it done. We got it done and tested it prior to the elections mm. and so and I let kids know that you know you guys always got excuses why you couldn't get this done you couldn't get that you needed a couple of more days to do this they don't postpone elections
1: right <laughs>
0: you know you you gotta have it done for that day and that was that and and so by the time that project was over I knew some COBOL Exactly. so I, I' I've taught COBOL since then
2: absolutely wow sometimes sometimes you have to be thrown in the fire and we sometimes say you know lean into your discomfort, but I, you know I also appreciate sometimes you ask for help, but you 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 learn you only have to ask once
0: but I spent all that time trying to learn because the fact that George recommended me
1: yes.
0: meant a lot, Absolutely. you know, because the man didn't recommend people.
1: Right. And
0: right. Uh, his, the executive director was very uh, happy I was there. Yeah.
1: yeah.
0: And, I, and I stayed there as long as I wanted to. Absolutely. And when I couldn't learn anything else, then I moved up to DEA.
2: Ah. Wow. Let me ask you a question. If this is something that you hear today, um, or you know, if you probably see in the news as well, as far as young people shying away from math, um, what are your thoughts, or you know, what's, what's your opinion on that? And, and do you hear that as well?
0: I hear that all the time. My organization, Joint Educational Facilities, works with high school students and undergraduate students and kids that are interested in computing want to go the computer technology route versus the computer science route yes. because of the more relaxed math requirement right. and what I what I say to them is you know nothing is hard once you learn it mm. but in order to learn this you got to put you got to pay your dues you got to put time in on this and it's nothing more than learning the rules and when to apply them mm-hmm. and then I tell him, I say and you guys do this all the time you just don't realize you're doing it mm-hmm. I said you know in your house where you live there are rules and if you don't abide by those rules then bad things happen to you mm-hmm. When you walk out your door, you're walking out into society. There are rules, and you abide by those rules in general. You don't walk out and you don't walk out your front door naked, do you?
1: <laughs> I
0: mean, you don't do that. You don't walk out of your front door and then walk into somebody else's house without ringing the doorbell or without knocking, do you? I mean, that's that's a rule. That's what you do. Mm-hmm. I mean nobody told you it was a rule. That's kind of what you have observed and what you have been taught in terms of manners and courtesy and so forth and so on. I said, now, you get on the bus. There's rules. on how to do that, Mm -hmm. what to do when you get on there, and how do you get off, you know, how do you let the driver know you get off and stuff. There's rules there and you know those rules. You don't, you don't look at them as rules, but those are rules. You walk into the school, there are rules. You walk into a class and it doesn't matter what class it is. It doesn't have to be a math class. I mean, it could be a reading class. That instructor is imposing rules upon you. You are living in a world of rules, and all these rules are kind of interconnected, and you don't want to learn the rules of math because you just, it's going to take some effort. Mm-hmm. That's the problem. Mm-hmm. That's the problem. And time. And time. Mm-hmm. And I asked them, I said, consider this. You go to your math class. What happens? The teacher goes to the board. We, class today, we're going to talk about X, Y, Z. And then they write stuff on the board and they talk about it. And then your 50 minutes is up. And they say, okay, I'm assigning the first 10 even problems at the end of the chapter. <laughs> so, you, so now you got to do that. So what you do is you try to emulate what, he or she has done on the board. Mm -hmm. You haven't learned the first concept. Mm -hmm. You haven't learned the first concept and that's why you have all the problems. Because the first problems are easy, but as you get further and further into that exercise, problems get progressively more difficult. And you have to know and understand the concepts and the rules. Sign numbers. You got to you got to know the rules for sign numbers. You got to even know about the different numbers, classes of numbers, that kind of thing, and and what they can do and what they can't do. You got to know the operations. You got to know that a that a minus sign could have one of two functions. It could be a binary operation or it could be a unary operator. You know. You got to know these things. You can't be Thinking about it. And I give them an example. You're driving now. Suppose you get as you get to the intersection of light turn red. Now you gotta think about what you should do now. (laughs) You gotta know that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean. But you don't wanna do that for math. Right. And you don't want to do that for some of the other sciences that you consider difficult. Like Physics, right. like chemistry. Rules, rules, rules. You gotta know those rules and, and you, the time that it takes you to do a lot of problems is what's gonna instill those rules up here. Right. And y'all don't wanna think.
2: And, and you know, know, I I leverage that and even want to um, say that, you know, even to our listeners and stuff like that, because in some cases it's parents. And what also scares me sometimes is I hear parents, even as young as six and seven, eight years old, saying, he's not good at math or she's not good at math. And I'm thinking, you're already planting the seed, but I take what you just said and parents need to say, he needs, you know, you need to help nurture them to sit and to put in the time it takes to make it natural to them, and for them to to uh, to really get engaged with it. The big
0: problem is they don't know. Right. They don't know themselves. Mm-hmm. That's 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 one of our biggest problems.
2: Absolutely.
0: Uh, people say to me when they see my kids at the IT showcase, "Oh, this they must be. You must not get those talented and gifted kids." No, I just get kids. If I keep them long enough, they'll be talented and gifted. There you
1: go. (laughs) You
0: know, it's that kind of thing.
1: Right.
0: Um, My wife, at various points in time, dictates, notice notice my term. Mm I understand. (laughs) That what I will do is I will spend an evening, one evening a week, with the kids in the family to help them with their math, mm-hmm. and 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 you know I like to do that. My children spent more time with their mother and their math than they would with their daddy, <laughs> and that's because da- daddy wants to know. Um, I'm asking a lot of questions. What about this and this, this and that? And they don't know and. You don't know that? You gotta know that in order to be able to do this. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. She won't do that. Uh She just helps them with it. Well, you know that this should be this and this should be that. No, no. Make them
1: think about it. -hmm. Yeah, make
0: them think about it. And it's... It's kind of tough when they're dealing with me because I, I make them agonize over this stuff. Because yeah. the, the things that you agonize over, those are the things that's going to stick with you. Absolutely, absolutely. That,
2: that, that's a, a great quote, and I'm going to use that <laughs> because that, that, that's so true because I think it it's the difference between parents just get your homework done, and the parents get very much in that mode as well as the kids. Versus learn, learn math, understand math, understand this because math is like that—that that it builds upon itself, and it's not memorization.
0: You notice when I said what the teacher does, the math teachers—they mm-hmm. they talk to you, and uh, then they assign certain problems in the book. And and I asked them, I said, well, what you do is you turn to the problems and you start trying to work the problems. Mm-hmm. So okay, but you never you never attempt to read that section Mm. you never attempt to read that section Mm. why not well because she's already told us how to work the problems so so what you're doing then is you're becoming a a numeric and symbol manipulator Mm. you can manipulate you you can manipulate a lot of stuff but you really don't know what you're doing Mm -hmm. Now, what was your name again? David. David. If everybody in the room knows who David is, but I say... I guess I can turn this off now. But if I say to him, I say you know uh, I was talking to the man and he was listening to what I was saying do they know who I'm talking about? (laughs) they don't know who I'm talking about Mm
1: -hmm.
0: So, but if they know who he is and I call his name Mm -hmm. then they do know they can relate they don't know the names of the various concepts not only don't they know the rules, they don't know the names of the various concepts. Um, my my nephew, he's, tomorrow he's heading out to Fisk from D.C. Oh, okay. as a freshman, and I've been working with him and his math. And one of the things that we did last week was we derived the quadratic formula from the quadratic equation. Yeah. And he said, well, why are we doing this? I said because you know you may have been the best thing at your little school, but when you get down there, you're gonna have a lot more of the best from a lot of other places.
1: Absolutely.
0: And you may not be the top dog down there.
1: <laughs> I said, and
0: they're gonna know how to do this. Wow. They're gonna know how to do this, and they're gonna know how to talk about this. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so. You need to know how to talk about it, too. You need to be able to use the terminology. You need to be able to go through the steps. And you need to be able to say that the reason I was able to do this is because I multiplied this by 4A over 4A. Mm -hmm. And, you know, if you multiply anything by 1, it's still that.
1: Mm Right.
0: So 4A over 4A equates to 1. I said, now you got to learn those kind of tricks in order to derive and to prove things in math. Yes. Exactly.
1: Mm-hmm. Okay. And so
0: as we were working through problems, what I would do with him was say, okay, now how did they get from here to here? Well, well I don't know. Okay, well, let's look at it. And walk him through how they got from this step to this step so that he could actually see. Yeah. And, and, you know, mathematics does not have to be difficult. Mm-hmm. Doesn't have to, there were some times when there were some things that gave me a problem as we were going through them. I said, okay, here's what we're going to do. We're going to move to the next problem, and then we're going to come back to that. Okay. And we went through the next problem. I said, now we let's go back and reread this because what they do is they try to read math and science kinds of things like a novel Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and you can't do that because there's so much information in a little space Mm -hmm. and we had missed one thing and that was that you have an interval with X here and then you move that interval you move that point H To to x plus h,
1: -hmm.
0: and so my two points then were x and x plus h, and I just had h. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And we and we you know after rereading it and thinking about what it really said, then I was able to come up with that, and I was able to show him. See, you didn't catch that either.
1: Right.
2: Now let me ask you about HSCC, okay, and 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 then talk about its evolution. You know how it started out, and then what it is today. Is it the the same, or have some things uh, changed over time?
0: You can kind of say that the things that I have done for BDPA were kind of incubated at joint educational facilities, okay, because. And we call it Jeff, J-E-F. Okay. Because Jeff was holding citywide computer competitions in D.C. Okay. But then when I became the BDPA's National Education Committee Chair, and you know, I'm always trying to do things for students mm-hmm. to make them, you know, to help with their self-esteem and, mm-hmm. and, and their self-worth and that kind of thing. And so I saw the opportunity for these kids to be doing that same thing on a national stage, more so than on a citywide stage. And so what I did was I approached the board. And of course, they said, "Okay, sound like a good idea. Do it. And the conference that year, that was 1986, was in Atlanta
1: Mm.
0: and that chairperson wanted me to give him all of the information that we had
1: Mm.
0: because the competition was basically uh, questions about the history of computing, the contributions that blacks have made to computing. Uh, and a basic program, a program written in the computer language basic, mm-hmm. and so he wanted he wanted me to give him all the questions, all the answers, and I was reluctant to do that um, Our kids hadn't seen those questions or answers mm-hmm. I mean this came from my research
1: mm-hmm.
0: and you know I wasn't trying to stack the deck so that my kids would, would win by providing them with the questions and not providing his kids with them our kids hadn't seen the questions
1: okay.
0: these were questions that I came up with in my research Well. We started in January, and the conference was in September, I think, in those years. And and dealing with that guy, I said to myself, I'd be so glad when this is over. I don't ever want to deal with this again. Mm -hmm. But when those two teams, Atlanta and D.C., were sitting on opposite sides of this lab Mm -hmm. answering those questions, and when you'd ask a question, you know the teams would kind of huddle up and they they would come up with the answer or not, and then they would go to the next. And so, looking at that, I knew that I couldn't just walk away from that. Mm. And so that night at the that Saturday night at the at the awards banquet, the DC the DC team won. And he said we cheated and all that kind of (laughs) stuff. But he was just no match. And his people were just no match for these kids. So people were saying, well, you know, it was a surprise to everybody because most of the membership didn't even know what was going on. But the board of directors did know what was going on. So they voted that it would be moved into the conference
1: okay
0: at the, the conference hotel and they also voted to make it a national initiative excellent and so the next year it was in <laughs> it was in new orleans
2: okay
0: i flew into new orleans tuesday morning i went into the hotel i think it was it was a Hyatt in those days. We were using the Hyatt. I walked into the hotel Tuesday morning. I walked out of the hotel Sunday evening going back to D.C. I never left the hotel. <laughs>
1: <laughs> because
0: I was everything. I was security. Yeah. I was um, I was the person who set the machines up. IBM and, and, Sent us machines down to to do the thing and everything, and I was it. I was everything.
1: Wow.
0: And I was everything. Even nineteen in nineteen ninety one, we had a conference in D.C. Mm-hmm. And I think we had about fifteen teams. Wow. And. I had a meeting with the coordinators, told them how things were going to go, and they wanted me to give them the questions. And I said, I'm not doing that. I said, no, when you, when your kids take the uh, SAT, they don't give them the questions beforehand. Right. Well, where are we supposed to find this information, especially information on blacks and computing? Right. Mm-hmm. I said, well, just do the research. Mm-hmm they walked out of that room in mass they didn't stop until they got to the national president's suite that was in 1990 and they told her this man has got to go <laughs> 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 the following year the, the conference was in New York and then and in 92 it was in Detroit And at that time, they retired me, Mm. and I guess as consolation for retiring me, they said that they were going to give the winning team members the Jesse Bimley Scholarship. (laughs) (laughs) Oh,
2: But you're still here, and you know, uh, so tell us your role today here at the, the conference.
0: My role today is is the manager of the IT Showcase.
2: Okay. And explain what
0: that is. The IT Showcase is a one-day conference in a conference. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: We have a high school component and an undergraduate component. And we give first, second, and third place awards to each of those groups. Mm -hmm and so it is modeled after what we do at JEFF. Mm. So what do we do at JEFF? A student comes in uh, and says they want to be a part of our program. I interview the student. I... and what I'm trying to do is to determine what their strengths and weaknesses are, likes and dislikes, career goals, those kinds of things. Rationale behind that is we work in about 30 areas of advanced computing, contemporary mathematics, robotics, and research. And we also work with them in their written and oral communication skills. So, in about a semester, and so what we do is based on what the students' career goals are and also whether we have anybody associated with a particular subject area we pair a student with one of those areas Mm -hmm. one of those thirty areas that becomes that student's research area we give the student five questions to begin their research on the internet Mm
1: -hmm.
0: then as the student is progressing through that Mm -hmm each Saturday we have a portion of our time allotted to students presenting to the whole group what they have learned that week mm-hmm. so a lot of people don't like that because they, they 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 want their kids to be in a class kind of structure where everybody's learning the same thing and then moving forward that way we tried that and what happened was, we spent about twenty-five percent of our time trying to keep people caught up,
1: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: because, given that they're high school kids, they're involved in other activities, and they miss a session, and so we got to catch them up. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, the way we we changed the paradigm to the way we do it now, where a student is responsible for what they do, and it doesn't impact anybody else but them. Mm-hmm. So how then, well so they only learn what their subject area is. This is what parents see Mm. that's what they think. But if I'm a student and and I'm forced to stand up in front of the group and talk to you about what I have learned and everybody in the group is encouraged, strongly encouraged to ask questions.
1: Right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
0: So what does that, that person presenting become? A lecturer on their subject area. Exactly. So everybody then is learning about mm-hmm. what everybody else is doing. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And so at the end of a semester, and sometimes a student can do this in less than a semester. depends on what other activities they're involved in. Mm-hmm. My deliverables are a minimum 10-page paper, which shows that they know who started that area, who the current researchers are, where are they, um, what are the concepts. Um, you, the paper has to show that you have a knowledge of the terminology, and what are the applications this can be used for.
1: Yeah.
0: So, you know, if, if if you're in virtual reality, then I want you using virtual reality terms when you talk about it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't want you sounding like the man out here on the street that doesn't know about virtual reality. Right. Just you know that thing, uh, that whatchamacallum, call him? You know that kind of right.
2: And it's funny because but that's
0: it, just part. That's just yeah. part of the requirement. Mm-hmm. Okay. The other part of the requirement is that you are to develop a ten to fifteen minute PowerPoint presentation from that paper. Mm-hmm. And the third part is that you are to develop a three by four foot poster which graphically depicts what's in the paper. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
3: Mm-hmm. That's, that's pretty important because it's, it, it's important to teach uh, students X's and O's which is a lot of what the parents thought they were bringing the kids to. Uh, uh, these programs for, but as you pointed out, it's so much more important to tr- to teach the soft skills as well, how to present, how to create PowerPoint slides, and how to use the tools that articulate that technical knowledge you develop. That's so much, I won't say it's, it's more important, it's equally as important as the technical knowledge itself.
0: Absolutely. So that's what the IT showcase students do. Absolutely. They. They pre- they present their papers in a PowerPoint presentation. Their papers are published in the proceedings of the mm-hmm. IT Showcase, and on Thursday morning we have a poster session where their their posters are judged.
2: And we we will be there and we'll be sna- you know snapping some shots of those. And we'd like to come and and even hear some of the presentations too. I so what this- winds
0: up happening then is think about this. Mm-hmm. I wanted. Students who have participated in i t showcase to have done each of the three things that you could do at a conference mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm.
0: and so no other conference does that, yeah you either do a PowerPoint presentation where you're presenting a paper or you present a poster
1: right right,
0: and these kids have done the whole gamut
2: all three mm-hmm. yeah.
0: And that started 13 years ago.
2: Wow, it's still going strong. And, you know, I'm I'm chuckling too because it's come full circle because you talked about when you took over for uh, determining who would speak at the conference, they had to write a paper. And there was a lot of people who resisted the written portion of it um, but these students are already being groomed and comfortable with that so in the future should we bring back that specific stipulation you know they're, they're comfortable in any form and then I think it also ties to the conference being about innovation and they're also being groomed so that when they have ideals and concepts and, and want to bring those forth or you know invention They'll know about documenting it, presenting it, and and that type of thing. So it all it all ties together, and and just as we hope, it's you know because our uh, mantra is kind of from the classroom to the boardroom, but it, it's starting. And IT showcase is another avenue and vehicle, and um, you know because a lot of people hear about HSCC, the high school computer competition. But so important, um, you know. There's other venues and avenues for for young people, and, and thank you for that. And yeah,
0: this is more academic. Yes. Yeah. And the HSCC is more of a training type mm-hmm. situation.
3: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I, I think I think uh, these programs are what differentiates uh, BDPA from a lot of the other nonprofit organizations, and that's our commitment to the development of young talent and our, and our and our young kids i i don't maybe they're out there but i don't see that i don't see that commitment from the other organizations absolutely
2: and, and it's due to a lot of hard work and volunteers um you know blood sweat and tears i dare say but um people you know you know our volunteers we have some of the greatest volunteers mm-hmm. who are part of the BDPA family, committed year after year after year and, and sometimes it's tough because you run a program and everybody has an opinion, of course, but you're the one that's putting in the, the hours and the time and and, and making it happen and have been doing it for many years.
0: Well, think about this, I take students to other conferences. We. We take, uh, my students from Jeff's, we take them to various local, national, and international computing and engineering conferences, and they present their research at these other conferences, and some of them, they, their papers are published in their proceedings. Mm-hmm. And so, what I what I've said to some people is, in my mind, BDPA and these other organizations, from my perspective, they exist to give to provide my students with platforms to further their development,
1: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: to present their papers, to present their posters, to you know that kind of thing.
2: Absolutely.
0: And. And so I use them for that.
2: Absolutely. That, that's a great way of, of looking at it, too. I, I like that. I like that. I hadn't heard that before. But I'm looking at our time. And first of all, thank you for giving of your time, not just for our, our time here uh, to capture this on, on tape and share it with our listening audience and, the, uh, and the, the Internet universe, but also just the time that you've given to BDPA and, and the fact that we have uh, both of the programs that, you know, thanks to you and, and your your Jeff program. So, if people are interested in your local program, and this is in DC, I believe, um, how do they get in contact with Jeff? What is the. Well, our number is 202
0: 584 1898. And that, that was probably a good year for something. <laughs> and then our web address is dot Jeff J E F. dot org.
2: Okay. Absolutely. Well, we will definitely get that posted as well. And again, I can't thank you enough for your your time.
0: And and I want to say something else too that I want to thank Bdpa for being tolerant of me because you know I'm. I'm kind of rough sometimes.
2: I can't believe it (laughs) (laughs) now. Oh, well thank you. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. Thank you. Good meeting you man.